0: I'm looking forward to the opportunity to preach tonight. Uh, Last week, I was up here singing and terrified to do it. um, So this week, I get to preach, and I'm not quite as terrified, uh, but I'm grateful for the opportunity. If you're visiting here tonight, I want to encourage you, and I say this often when I get the opportunity to preach. If you're visiting, please, please come back when our pastor's in the pulpit. You'll be blessed, I promise. Um, As for me, I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity. My wife and I are so thankful Uh, for the opportunity that we've been given to work here with many of you, working in the children's ministry, bus ministry, and things like that. We love it. And we are grateful to to God on Thursday on Thanksgiving to see Angel baptized. And uh, what a blessing, isn't it? And he came, and uh, as a matter of fact, we were door knocking in in town, and uh, Mrs. Chung, she had a flyer with her, and Angel come walking down the street, and he said, Can I have one of those? and um sure enough mrs chung gave him that flyer and he ran home to his mom mom i want to go to church they're going to pick me up and he told me later i thought the first week you all were going to kidnap me (laughs) Um, but what a blessing he came and his sister came and then his cousin and friends and we were thoroughly blessed by that and we're just so grateful to have a part of what god is doing in this community and in this body of believers isn't god good Amen. We're going to be in Philippians tonight. I'm going to give you a simple message this evening and a short message. Amen. Uh, But sometimes getting back to the simplicity that is in Christ is a very needful thing. Years ago, I was in Bible college and I drove a Nissan Sentra. Let me tell you, this thing was uh, basically duct taped together. Uh, I'm talking about the zip ties were holding the bumper on type thing and uh, you had to like reach into the window to open it from the inside type of Sentra. And um, I remember um, that the car all of a sudden wouldn't start. Oh no, I'm going to be late for class. Not a good thing, right? And so I'm sitting there in my Nissan Sentra. I'm turning the key and there's absolutely nothing. It's not turning over. It's not even making the clicking sound. And I thought, well, I'm a poor Bible college student. I don't have money for this. Uh, um, It's probably some big expensive thing that I have to deal with. And and, uh, for weeks, I let my car sit outside the dormitory and outside the back of Temple Baptist Church up there in Knoxville. And my buddy, he came to me He said, What's the matter with your car? It's been sitting there for quite some time. And I said, It won't start, it won't turn over. And it's probably something really, really expensive that I can't afford on $7.50 an hour uh, to fix. I've got to try to pay my school bill and eat and buy books and all those types of things. He said, Well, let's go take a look at your Nissan Sentra. So we walked down the hill just a little bit of ways, and um, I popped the hood to that Nissan Sentra. And I'm not even kidding. Within three seconds, this guy, he knew exactly what the problem was and he was able to fix it. It was just a simple problem. Now, I don't know much about cars still to this day, but all it was is there was a bolt that needed tightening so the the connection could be made from the battery to the car. A very, very simple thing. I said, oh, thank you. He goes, it's as simple as that. And sometimes we need to get back to the simple things. I love to play basketball and watch basketball. And in the 1970s, there was Coach John Wooden. He coached UCLA basketball to seven national championships in 10 years. Quite an amazing feat in the world of college sports and sports in general. An interviewer went to Coach John Wooden and said, What is the secret? Your team is so extraordinary. You've been dominant these years in college basketball. You've won the national championships several times. Your team is extraordinary. What is... Your secret, Coach Wooden. Coach Wooden didn't think very much about the question. He answered it right away. He said, my team here at UCLA is is not an extraordinary team, but what they are good at is the simple things. In basketball, they know how to pass. They know how to shoot. They know how to rebound the ball. They know how to play defense, and they're really good at doing the basic things. And that's what I want to look at tonight, something that is simple, something that we need to be reminded of tonight as we jump into Philippians chapter number one. I want you to look at verse number six. Again, the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that God is still working on us? He's not done. He's not finished. He's not taking a break. He's not on sabbatical. He's still working on us. I love the book, book of Philippians. It's one of my favorite books uh, in all of the Bible. Uh, of course, we know the main overarching theme is this theme of rejoicing in the Lord. And we know the story. We know about the Apostle Paul. He's not sitting in a comfy chair, uh, sipping on lemonade or tea or anything like that, uh, writing this epistle. Instead, he's in jail. And he's reminding us to rejoice in the Lord Uh, at least 10 times in the book of Philippians. We find this theme rejoice in in the Lord. He reminds us it has nothing tonight to do with our circumstances. Your joy has nothing to do with your bank account. It has nothing to do with your health. It has everything to do with your standing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord, he says. There's many themes that we find in the book of Philippians. In chapter number one, we look at the preeminence that Paul gives to the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, look at verse number 12. The Bible says, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren of the, in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Uh, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, uh, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, now withstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Look at verse number 19. I want you to take note of these next verses. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life, Or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's interesting to me tonight that the Apostle Paul wasn't necessarily concerned about his station in life being in jail. He wasn't concerned about his life. But what he was concerned about is that the gospel go forward, that more people can hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he was concerned about. And one of the great themes that you find in the book of the Philippians is this idea of the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's simply this. Jesus isn't a part of the big picture. He is the big picture. Chapter 2 goes on and talks about our mind. In chapter 4 as well, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You kind of see what the Apostle Paul you make What makes him tick. What makes him go is he didn't just think about Jesus all the time. Instead, he thought like Jesus. And of course... If you read the chapter there, we're going to read it in just a moment, but it talks about how Jesus let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, that was a selfless mind. It was a sacrificial mind. It was a mind that submitted to God the Father. And this is the mind that the Apostle Paul had and the Lord Jesus had. And you go to chapter three, you don't only find the preeminence of the Lord Jesus. You don't only find the things uh, that are on our minds thinking like Christ, but you also find the purpose that Paul had in keeping going. I love chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. He talks about, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We see what makes the Apostle Paul tick. It's all about Jesus. Jesus was his course. Jesus was his force. Jesus was his source. It all is about Jesus. And then, of course, Another great theme that we find in chapter number four is how do we do all this? How do we serve the Lord Jesus Christ? And I want you to know tonight that God has given you and I everything that we need to serve him and do his will today. But Paul goes on and says, but I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He says everything that I need to do for God, I've been equipped to do that for him. I can do God's will for today. God has given me everything I need to serve Him. And by the way, God will never ask you and I for things that we do not have to serve Him. He does want what you do have today, though. He's reminding these Philippians. He's saying all is well, everything's good, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's telling them, hey, why don't you think like the Lord Jesus, sacrificially and submissively, and he let's give Jesus the preeminence. But then he reminds them here in chapter number one, and this is the thought I want to give you tonight, and that we are building, we are constructing a good work. God is constructing a good work in your life and mine and in this church. Let's look at verse number 6, of chapter number 1 again, and we'll jump right in. The Bible says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I want to preach on this subject for just a few moments tonight, the construction of a good work. Let's pray together, may we? Father, I need you tonight. I pray that you take me and help me, and that your word would do the work. Lord, it's not about anything I say, but it's about the Bible. You promised that your word would not return void. And I pray, God, tonight that you would take your word, encourage those that are here this evening, help those that need help, save the lost, encourage the discouraged, draw us closer to yourself. And, Father, I pray that you'd be with our pastor tonight and his family. Keep them safe. Give them rest. Thank you for church that we can come together, we pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Now, living in Florida, I'm going to go ahead out on a limb here and say... Most of you have driven on I-95, yes? That's an experience that can draw you close to the Lord in and of itself. Or even better yet, the turnpike. It's not three lanes, it's two lanes. I read somewhere the other day that Floridians have been rated the worst drivers in the whole entire United States. If you ever feel useless, just think about the turn signals on some of the cars that we have here in this state. They're useless too. But you think about the roads that we have, and oftentimes I like to travel down Brad Whitney Road, which is just down here to the west, and it's usually a nice calmer drive, and and, uh, sometimes you see some wildlife and animals. Uh, But sometimes when I'm in a hurry, I have to go down I-95, and sometimes when we go places, we go down the turnpike. But inevitably, on every one of those roads, you'll see what is the Florida State Flower. No, no, it's not the orange blossom. It's Bob's Barricades Cone. They're everywhere it seems that you go. You get on the turnpike. Oh, you got to move over because there's the Florida State flower there. Those roads are under construction. It seems like they're always, always, always working on the road. If you go down by Jupiter Island, they're working there on that bridge, and it seems like construction is everywhere. You go up to Stewart where my wife and I live, and there's construction up there. It seems like these apartment buildings are just coming up out of nowhere. Something is always being constructed. Uh, constructed Just the other day, I was walking through a, a plaza. I was getting some work done on my car and a new coffee shop was being built right next to my neighborhood. How many of you like the sweet nectar of God coffee? Amen. How many of you can't talk to people until you've had at least one cup? Yes. Brother, man, I feel it back. Yep. But they have this coffee shop and I was so excited. I was going to wait on my car. I was going to go into this coffee shop and I was so excited I opened the door and... had been gutted they were still working i feel like stuff is always always under construction and that's the way that it is for us as well we're always being worked on nobody has arrived as christians nobody has the end all be all as god's people we haven't learned enough we haven't grown enough we are always growing or trying to grow at least in the lord if you think if you're a Christian and if you, you've arrived, well, I am the most spiritual Christian that ever there was. I wrote a book in 2023 entitled The 23 Most uh, Mature Christians and How I Trained the Other 22. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. We're all growing. Nobody has arrived until the day that you and I go home to glory. We should still be growing. In this verse, we talk about being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I want to give you four quick things here tonight. Number one, the commencement of this good work. The commencement of this good work. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, here it is, that he which hath begun a good work. The good work has to start somewhere, doesn't it? When we think about this good work that God starts in our lives, and I want you to know it starts out salvation. Now you say, Brother Kevin, this is a Sunday night crowd. Uh, everybody here has heard the gospel. Everybody here knows about what Jesus has done for them. And I'm praising the Lord that probably everybody under the sound of my voice tonight has heard how they can go to heaven. And they know that they've been saved for sure. That's a, that's a blessing. Um, but you never know who you're talking to in a crowd. At our youth rally back in September we're praising the Lord for what He did. Several people got saved. I'll never forget one young lady she joined this church she came up from Miami, she came up with another church and she was a pastor's daughter and she wanted to go to our youth rally and uh, she came with the, the, another church and sure enough, the preaching went on and you would think a girl uh, that had been raised in a pastor's home in a Christian home, you think, Yeah, she's got it. She knows it. She can say it in her sleep. uh, But that wasn't so. It came time for the invitation. And she talked to one of the uh, the workers, one of our ladies, and and said, you know, I've grown up in a pastor's home uh, all my life. I've heard about the gospel. But she said, you know what? I know that I'm not saved and I need to be saved. And she got saved right there in the middle of the aisle. It's an amazing thing, salvation. That's when God begins to start a work in us. It's being saved. I used to think that salvation... Was a finishing line uh, back in the day when I was a teenager. I'd raise my hand, Mom. I pray for my mom. Pray for my dad. They need to. They need to be saved. Every Wednesday night, I'd stick my hand up in the air. Please pray for my mom. Please pray for my dad. They need to be saved. And, And praise the Lord. Glory to God. Both of them, one by one, accepted Jesus as their Savior. But I want you to know, that's not the finish line. That is the spring point. That's where we start. We start at salvation. And are you saved tonight? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Uh, we, we talk about these great verses, but God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes and mine, he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus died. And if you want a good work to start in your life, you have to, first of all, be saved. Do you know Jesus as your savior? Has there been a time in your life where you asked God to save you? You think about this good work commences with salvation, continues with sanctification, and culminates in glorification. This good work secures a saved position. God takes darkness and turns it to light. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 8. For ye were sometimes in darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. He takes death and turns it to life. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 14 We know that we have passed from death unto life. This is what salvation does. A child of hell to a child of heaven. God's my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my Comforter. Heaven is my home. Do you know that you are saved? We sang the song, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is where we start. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new commencement of this good work secondly tonight very quickly not only the commencement of this good work but the continuation of this good work look again if you would please at philippians chapter 1 verse number 6 being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you watch this now will perform it until the day of jesus christ When you got saved, you got sanctified positionally. But in this Christian life, you're being sanctified progressively. Listen, the Christian life is a a series of steps. You're always trying to take the next step for the Lord. What step do you need to take? It is a process that God is working on us. He's progressively sanctifying us, making us more like the Lord Jesus. He is working on us. He's trying to develop the mind of Christ in the life of the believer. As we said just a moment ago at the beginning of the message, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself a no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and took upon, uh, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Holy Spirit is developing a sacrificial mind, a selfless mind, and a submissive mind. Think about it here in Philippians. Go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 10. The Bible says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. This is Philippians chapter 4 verse number 10. That now at the last your care of me have flourished again, wherein you were also careful, But ye lacked opportunity, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And here's where he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I want you to know that this is a process that God has for us. Once we get saved, the next thing we need to do is grow. Again, once we get saved, we haven't arrived. It's a process of steps. What step are you at in your Christian life? What's the next step that needs to be taken? Everybody is at a different place with the Lord. What is the next step that you need to take? Notice here in chapter number four that we just read. It's interesting to me. But Paul talks about this walk with God is a possibility. Look in verse number 11, if you would please, of chapter four. The Bible says, not that I speak in respect of one. Watch this now. For I have learned. Now, I'm not really good at grammar. If you know me, all right. I'm not very good at at all the parts of speech and English and those types of things. But I do know enough to know that this is past tense. Paul says, I have learned. In other words, it's a possibility. I can't do this. I have learned how to do this. And and learning how to grow and and growing in the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, it's a possibility. um, Because he says, I have learned. But then, notice, it's also the process. Look at verse number 12 of our text, chapter 4. I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere and in all things. Here it is. I am instructed. So we go from past tense to present tense. I have learned, but I'm still being instructed. Listen, we all have room to still learn about God and his word in our walk with God. Nobody has got a monopoly on how to do it. We all need to learn. We all need to grow. We all need to seek the Lord a little bit more. We all need to get in our Bibles a little bit more. We all need to pray a little bit more. We all need to walk with God a little bit more. Everybody has room to grow. I have learned. I am instructed. And we find out that growing is walking with a person. He says there in verse number 13, "I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me." I'm grateful today that God is not done with you. He's not done with your spouse or your children. He's not done with this church. He's still working on us. It is a process. It's a process. Sometimes I, I try to go to the gym. I don't like it because everything's heavy there. Uh, but you've got to start somewhere. You, you know, you go get the dumbbells. And, and somebody said to me the other day, he said, Brother Kevin, you look like you lift weights. I said, I do. <laughs> but you also look like you never say no to a cookie. That's also true. <laughs> yes, that, that's true. My aunt made me a chocolate pudding pie for Thanksgiving. And I don't just cut a piece. I just take the whole pie plate and just take a fork and whipped cream and sit on the couch. My wife knows she doesn't like it as like I do. But you go to the gym and you start somewhere. And you say I can't lift like everybody else. Lift that's okay. Start somewhere, and you grow little by little. It's always a process. There's no ready-made thing. It's not fast food. You don't get it. It's not like lying. You know, you get it in two days or anything like that. It's a process. We must grow. And it's a step by step being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until he's still working on you. Aren't you glad today that God is still working on us? We find the commencement of this good work. We find the continuing of this good work. Number three tonight, very quickly, the conclusion of the good work. Look again at our verse, chapter 1, Philippians chapter number 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We talked about this good work. It it starts in salvation, continues with sanctification, and then it culminates in glorification. We're sanctified positionally, progressively, and one day, thank the Lord, we'll be sanctified perfectly. No more sin, no more sorrow. You'll never have to go back to God and say, I messed up again. God is still working on you you. I think about when I was in sixth grade, I had a teacher by the name of Mrs. Capella. She was our art teacher. She was a fantastic teacher. We had this uh, project that we had to do and she said to us, you all are going to make pottery. Oh boy, I could barely walk and chew gum at the same time. You're going to have me make a dish, a pot or something, a vessel. Oh boy, I can't wait to see how this turns out. And so sure enough, she put a huge lump of clay on our, our tables and put it right there. And it was, as a sixth grader, I was like, this is messy. I can't wait to see what kind of trouble I can get in with this. And we'd have to dip our hands in the water and moisten the clay, and so we can fashion it every which way that we could. And I remember, everybody else was making beautiful pots. I was in kindergarten, I couldn't stay in the line Um, But I was making this pottery, and everybody else was making, you know, these pots and everything. And I I thought, I'm going to make it like somebody's head. (laughs) What's the matter with me, right? And so I fashioned it. I put a nose on it, and I carved some eyes. And the thing was hideous. (laughs) Guess what? I didn't get an A on it. (laughs) But there came a time when the work was done. My teacher, Mrs. Capella, took the whatever it was that held stuff a vessel that looked like a face, weird, and she put it in what's called a kiln, and she fired it, and there was no more work to be done after that. I awaited my grave. God's working on you, but thank the Lord, one day that work is going to culminate. It's going to be done. It is finished. One day the work is going to be over, and that brings me to this last... Point tonight we're, we're talking about the commencement of this good work the continuing of this good work the conclusion of the good work but then fourthly tonight the confidence that you can have in the good worker who's the one that's molding the clay look again in our verse we'll read it one more time being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ aren't you glad tonight that Jesus is the one that's doing the work He's the one that knows what he's doing. He's the one that has a perfect plan and a perfect will for our lives. He's the one that doesn't make any mistakes. He's the one that's on his throne. He's the one that's in control. He's the one that knows exactly what he's doing. He's not up in heaven squeezing a stress ball. He's not looking to go play a round of golf to chill out. He's not looking for a white chocolate, Starbucks or anything. He knows exactly what he's doing all the way back in the book of Jeremiah. God sends Jeremiah to the potter's house for an object lesson. He says, Jeremiah, I want you to go down there and I want you to watch the potter for just a little bit i want you to see what he's doing and of course jeremiah he goes down uh, to the potter's house and he enters in and there the master was making a vessel on the wheels and he knows exactly what he's doing he knows how to do it everything in his will is going according to plan he's the one that does the great work he's the one that is the good worker I love the book of Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, verse number 29. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose for whom he did foreknow, who he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You say, what does that mean? God knows what he's doing and he knows how he's building you and to what extent he wants to build you. Watch this now. If you go to my office over in building B. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had a nerd attack. We did space feed for vacation Bible school, and it was out of this world. <laughs> okay, yeah, thank you. I roll. <coughs> Love those dad jokes, right? But I don't know what happened that year with me. It recaptured something from. As a kid, I loved reading about space. As a sixth grader, they sent me off to space camp and I just had a nerd attack. It was amazing. I love the space shuttle. I love you, you. living around here. You look up in the sky up to the north, maybe the northeast. And when there's a launch, you used to be able to see the shuttle go up from even here. And, and now you see the SpaceX rockets go up. And, and still, I, I nerd out when it comes to those types of things. I, I love listening about it. I love reading about it. I've got books at home and even in the office about the Apollo uh, missions and those types of things. I love it. And so when uh, VBS came and we did that space theme and pastor said, go out and buy yourself a space flight suit. I was like, yes, sir. I'll be glad to do that. And and I was so excited about it. But something happened Uh, after VBS. I was going through a store and there I saw it. I just, just so you know, my wife's like, you can't spend money on a Lego. You're 30 at that time, four years old. And I was like, oh. But I preached somewhere recently and I had a love offering, so I was like, yes, Legos. And I got the space shuttle. Brother Andy knows about this one. I got the Saturn V rocket, all in the office there. Actually, Andy broke it one time. It was actually a great story, but I'm not going to tell that now. But the thing here about Legos, and I, I know that there's some other Lego heads in here, it's okay, um, is there's a purpose behind is isn't there? You get the box, you're like, well, I want to build that. And the people who created that toy, that Lego, they've equipped you to build that. Because when you open it, you have several bags that have the pieces in it. And you're like, how on earth can I make anything that resembles what's on the box? Well, they give you what? A manual. And you start to put it together and they snap into place because they're Legos and not Mega Bloks. Uh, they're, they're really good, okay? And, and one by one, you put the pieces together and what starts to form exactly as long as you follow what it says in the instructions, whatever is on the box starts to form little by a little. And by the time you're like, wow, I did what the box and the instructions told me. Now, the only reason I have them here is because my wife won't, won't let me take them home and display them there. But that's the way God works. If you want to grow in the Lord, he's giving you the instructions. You know, this book, it's the word of God. And this is what God has equipped us with to serve him, to walk with him, to grow. But this book, as amazing as it is, will not do anything for you if you don't follow what it says. I can go to the doctor. Doc, it, I, I, I'm short of breath when I go up two stairs. you got to lay off the chocolate pudding pie. <clears throat> but uh, hey, let me give you this prescription. And this prescription for your heart is going to help you. Do You know, if you take it, it it's going to take care of the, the things that's going on. If you eat healthier and you lay off the pudding pie and the cookies and the Chick-fil-A and the McDonald's and the Taco Bell and the Angela's. Yes, I eat all those places. But he says, if you do these things, everything, if you lay off these things, and you do these things, then everything's going to work out. Take this medicine. And I go home, and I keep eating Angelos, and I keep eating Chick-fil-A, and I keep eating pudding pie, and I don't take the medicine. Guess what? That advice that the doctor has given me is not going to do me anything. Sometimes that's how we treat the word of God. Everything that we need for life and godliness is right here in these pages. But sometimes we just leave it. Sometimes we have to dust it off before we go to church. God is doing a work. He wants to build. And God has given us his word. He knows exactly what he's doing. Everything works. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He's still working on you. So what does that mean for you and I? It means that God has a plan for those people who know him. Aren't you glad that he has a plan for you? He makes no mistakes, but it also means that we need to submit to his hand. Whatever he wants us to do, I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll do whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it, and whenever. We need to practice submission to his plan. And then we have to need to have patience in his plan. You think about this. Everybody is at a different spot in their walk with God, aren't they? Everybody's a little bit different. Everybody's at a different spot in the Lord. But the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Everybody's at a different spot, but sometimes we need to have patience. The Bible says, let patience have a perfect we need to be patient with God's hand. He's always on time. He's never early. He's never late. He's always on time. And then we need to have patience with other people because everybody is at a different spot in their walk with the Lord. We all need to grow. There's nobody better than anybody else. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. But be glad tonight. you ever feel like you've failed the Lord You ever feel like you messed up? You ever feel like, man, I need to do better at this? God is still working on you. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. That's a promise. It's not a maybe so. It's not if the deacons vote so. It's not if I win the lottery so. He says, I will continue that work until the day of Jesus Christ. So I say, let's let him do the work in us. Let's let him have his way. God knows exactly what he's doing. The commencement of the good work, the continuation of the good work, the conclusion of the good work, and then confidence in the good worker. Aren't you glad to be saved tonight? Let's pray together, may we? Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for the Bible tonight. I pray, God, that you help us to let you have your will and way done in our lives. Lord, you know exactly what you're fashioning. You know exactly what you're doing. Lord, for somebody tonight that perhaps is discouraged, Lord, we fail you from time to time. Lord, you're still working on us, Lord. You're not going to quench the burning flax. You're not going to break the bruised reed. You're still working on us. Lord, as long as we have breath in our lungs, you're still working. And I pray that you help us to submit to your hand in our lives. I pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. We're going to have a moment of invitation. The pianist is going to play in just a minute here. I surrender all to the hymn. As Brother Terry comes, this is a place here at the altar, there in your seat, to do business with God. Let God have your will, have his will done in your life today. As Brother Terry comes.
1: All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I free. trust him and his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender
0: God's people said, just a couple of prayer requests before we dismiss in prayer. Brother Chris is going to be leaving this week to Cambodia, so pray for uh, that effort. We're going to miss him, uh, but praying for him as he goes there. And uh, I get to take his place a little bit at basketball, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, Anyways, pray for him and pray for the good news clubs that meet this week at the schools around our community. So um, God's good all the time. Let's pray together. May we, Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, I thank you that you know our struggles, you know every bit about us, and you still love us, and you're still working on us. You don't just see us now, you see us where we will be, and you're still working on us. Father, I pray that you'd help us to submit to your hand in our lives. Thank you that we can be confident, that we know, that we don't have to guess about it. God, you're still working on us. I pray that you'd be with Brother Chris as he goes. Use him. In a great way, I pray for the Landigan family, that you'd bless them as well. For the Good News Clubs and the ministries this week, I pray you bless all of them. May you be lifted up in this community and in our church. We love you. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you glad you're saved? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.